My guest today is Ben Kacheri here to talk about his review of the Oculus Rift. My name is Justin McElroy, and you're listening to Polygon's Quality Control. Ben Kuchera, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm excited about the topic today. Uh, we are here to talk about the future of video games entertainment, mm-hmm. the Oculus Rift, and the, VR in general. The, I guess, but the, mainly the art of virtual reality made made real. People can buy yeah, this. Ben. Absolutely. I mean, they can't you buy can't... it and like get it. I don't have any money for it. If you were today, if you were reading the review or listening to this here podcast and, and you said, hey, I'd love one of these Oculus Rifts, it would get here around July. They are back ordered to heck and back. Yeah. Um, so we are in the uh, 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 the first retail version of, of this hardware, the, the one you can buy, as we've made very clear. You've played with a lot of different versions uh, over the, the years. Um, how does this final uh, retail version stack up uh, to some of the other units that you've tested uh, over the over the years? I mean, there's there's really obvious things like the jump in, in resolution from the development kit to which was the last one you could buy um, that wasn't just given to developers. And the retail version is huge, is huge. That is uh a, a, an absolute big difference and then just th- the main thing that i i want people who have been frustrated waiting waiting for vr to realize is that the vr that's shipping with the retail version is easy you install this program that explains how to install the hardware you can download games and you click on them and then you play them and you can launch them from within virtual reality and what we've been using with the dev kits for the past few years has been pretty god awful in terms of like the tinkering you needed to do to get it done. And there was there was like extended mode and direct mode and different experiences needed differing modes and processes to get them started to the point where when I was tinkering with some of this stuff, you know, a, a year ago or more, I would actually keep index cards that was like, these are all of the optimal settings and optimal ways to launch this program to get a really good experience. Like it was so hacky to get any of it to work. And this, if you have a, the minimal spec system or above, you put the headset on, you launch the app and everything works and it's wonderful and it's fun and it's like a good retail consumer experience and i love that about it that is the biggest jump by far i've got an oculus coming right i've got a computer already here in my office what does like the footprint of this unit look like once it's like out like does it have i mean what's like the solution for when you're not using it like how much room is it going to take up um you know is it going to always look ugly for well for starters i actually think the industrial design is pretty good it's like it's it's a real far cry from like the terrible gaudy 
glowing green and red LEDs of like what most PC gaming hardware looks like. I don't think it's terrible. Yeah, I actually um, don't have a problem. To be clear, I don't have a problem with the design of the unit itself. I'm more thinking about like all the the, the wires and the the sure. cables and what have you. It's just not like I don't, I don't know. It's like we don't have a place. I think. We haven't really thought through this. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I know where my monitor goes. You yeah. Know, I know where it, my computer goes. Like, I, you don't, I don't know. No one sets up, like, the ergonomics of their desk thinking, where does my virtual reality platform fit into all of this? Right. It's it's something that it's something that's new. Uh, I, I think Oculus was really smart, and they packaged it with this amazing box that you you can keep everything in if you don't want to keep it connected 24 7 and some people might want to just keep it connected 24 7 but i have five children and a cat and that would be madness because it's a a 599 dollar piece of equipment um and you have a little sensor with a stand and that sits on your desk and you point the glossy end at your face you have the headset that connects with HDMI and USB, and then you have the little wireless dongle for your Xbox One controller, and you can swap out a, a wired Xbox 360 controller if you'd like, or an Xbox or a wired Xbox One controller, or really any you know basic uh, console style controller, and that's it. You can once you have the the software installed, and that process does not take that long. Setting it up and tearing it down once you get good at it. It's like two or three minutes. Mm-hmm. It is so. If you wanted to get to a point where it's like, okay, I'm going to play VR games for the next, you know, ninety minutes to two hours, you could have it set up once you know how to do it in like three minutes, and then when you're done with it, you just wrap all the cables up, put it back in its case, put the case, you know, near your computer or whatever, and you're done. And it takes two or three minutes, and it's so cool that you can set it up in a way that isn't completely annoying in terms of both setup and how much space it takes up. And then when you put it away, you can keep it out of sight. So it isn't cluttering up your desk Mm -hmm. and you get this really neat, uh, carrying case with a handle that you can either put it in like, uh, you know, under your desk or in a closet when you're not using it. Or if like a friend wants to see it and they have a, a powerful enough PC, you could walk it over there. It's a really, the footprint is minimal. It's a really easy system to set up and use, I think. They they did a great job putting that aspect of it together. I For some reason, I recall hearing that you needed four USB ports for for the Oculus. Where, where, is that like just a figment of my imagination? Or? I, I, I believe – I believe, and I'd have to look it up, that you need three. So the sensor needs a USB 3.0 port. Um, the headset needs a USB 3.0 port. The headset also needs the HDMI put, HDMI port from uh, your system. And then if you decide to use a controller of some kind, you need a USB port for that. So that is the okay. number of USB ports you need. And they do need to be USB 3.0. Uh, if your system does not have at least two USB 3.0 ports, you probably have bigger problems about the the modernness of your system right right so yeah i mean you kind of need a lot of usb but uh, almost every modern case and motherboard supports that number i have a two-pronged cr- question for you uh and it is this uh and we received this from uh several people uh, N- uh nick 
Paflug sent it to us, uh, and and I, I've seen some other people ruminate on it. What is the killer app with uh, for for the Oculus Rift? And my secondary question is: Does it need one? Uh, so the the first question is a super good one, and I've been thinking about this a lot because I have access to all of these games and I've played a bunch of stuff that's not coming out yet in like industry events and stuff. And I'm kind of plugged into the scene. So I've seen videos of things that other people may not know about. And it's like, I feel like I have a pretty good idea of what the ecosystem out there is like. And what I absolutely love about the launch lineup of the Oculus Rift, and it's, it's kind of astounding to me, uh, when you look at what launch titles for new platforms tend to be, which is limited in number and and terrible, I think if you sit down uh, with me or someone like me or even just like the list of launch titles, no matter what you're into, you're going to find one or two things you're going to want to try. So I don't think there's one thing that I would point to that would be like, everyone needs to get this game. I would say when you first start your your rifting experience, there's a program called Dream Deck that I I believe is free, but I could be wrong. And it's 10 non um, narrative kind of interactive experiences where you just put the headset on, you launch the experience and you look around and cool stuff happens. Mm -hmm. So like in one of them, um, and I think we have some video of this in, in the review, you're like in a museum at night and a giant T-Rex walks up to you like roars in your face and then walks over you. And the whole process takes like, it's like a 90 second demo. But when you're standing there in virtual reality for the first time, it's like, I just saw a freaking dinosaur in the room with me. Mm-hmm. And there's another one where you like meet an alien and that's really fun. And there's another one where you're standing on the edge of like, this art deco skyscraper and looking down. And if you're afraid of heights, it's really intense. So in terms of games, you have a lot of choices. And I think the two pack-in games, if you pre-ordered, Lucky's Tale, which is a Super Mario 64-style platformer that's really good, and Eve Valkyrie, which is a very action-oriented dogfighting space game, are very cool for very different audiences and really show off VR well. But if you just want to get someone into it and give them an idea about why it's so cool, I think Dream Deck is the way to go. And I don't know for your second question, I don't know if it needs like a set killer app. I do think all virtual reality platforms need to have those one to two things that if anyone comes over, you can show it to them and Mm -hmm. it's comfortable and it's like not too intense. Like they don't have to fumble with learning a controller or anything, but it also really puts across why VR is cool. Like, I think you should be able to sit someone down, put the headset on, and it, within like three minutes, blow their mind with something really cool. And as long as you have that and it's welcoming to people, I think you're good. And I think every platform needs to know what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to take a quick break, Ben, to talk to you about li- – well, not just you. I mean, you're free to listen if you like. Uh, but uh, I want to talk to you about Loot Crate. It's a monthly subscription box service for – uh, geek and gamer items and pop culture gear for less than 20 bucks a month. You get 48 items that include uh, 428, not 48. That will be a very big loot crate. 
uh, licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, unique one-of-a-kind items, and much more. Uh, uh, you just got to head over to lootcrate.com slash control and enter code control to save $3 on any new subscription. And it's more than just a subscription service. It's an entire community of fans that share their experience and interact with each other around the unboxing of each month's crate. And they guarantee $40 in value in every crate. And sometimes it's it's a lot more. Uh, April's theme is uh, a quest. So we're forming a party to explore everywhere from far off kingdoms to worlds hidden within worlds of exclusive items from Labyrinth, Harry Potter, uh, History Channel's Vikings, and Uncharted 4. And of course, there's a t-shirt and loop pin loot pin in there uh, as there is every month um now you only are going to have until the 19th of april at 9 p.m pacific to subscribe and receive this quest box uh with the cutoff happens that's it it's over so go to lootcrate.com slash control and enter code control to save three dollars on your new subscription today i'm a loot crate uh, subscriber and it's really fun to to look forward to the box and open it up and see what's in there and and uh uh see what what appeals to you uh, and, uh, you know, sometimes I use the stuff in there as gifts. There was a great, in the last box, there was a great, uh, uh, Spock mirror universe t-shirt that I knew my dad would love. Uh, so I gave it to him and, and, and it's nice, you know, free, free gifts for those you love. The loot crate is not just for you. It's about sharing. So anyway, go to lootcratecom slash control and enter code control to save $3 on your new subscription today. Uh, Ben, what, uh, what would you say we're you're still looking for after spending considerable time with the Rift? Or as Zach Price puts it, what do you hope to see other VRs do differently? Well, you have the HTC Vive coming, which is kind of the elephant in the room whenever you talk about uh, VR platforms, because we have three really big competing ones, right? We have the Oculus Rift, we have the HTC Vive, we have PlayStation VR. I would consider those to be the big three for now. Um I really am looking forward to all three of them having a motion control solution where you can actually see your hands in virtual reality and kind of more directly interact with things. Uh, once we get to the point where every uh, platform offers that in some ways, I, I think we'll be doing um, a lot better. I, I like to see games where there is a very good reason for them to be in virtual reality where it doesn't just make it cool and nifty, but really adds to the experience. That's something I look for. Uh, when you play like Defense Grid 2 on the Oculus Rift, which was not a game I was expecting to like fall in love with all over again, but the virtual reality implementation of that game is amazing. You can like move your head down and watch the little aliens attacking your turrets and you can look at the the board from the point of view of any of the turrets and like it feels like this amazing little war is like taking place with brilliantly animated toys on on your desk and it's it's so cool and it adds so much to the the experience and it's mostly visual but it completely changes the feel and almost the rhythm of how the game plays. So that's what I'm looking for. I, I like things where I really get to interact with the world. And I like things where VR really heightens whatever is super cool about the game. So you get more of it or you, you feel more of it. I, I was playing Adrift in virtual reality, which is a game that you can play on Steam on a regular screen. You, you'll probably still have a good time. I really enjoy the game. And I'm like floating around inside a space station and I go, oh, this is this is pretty intense. This is cool. I kind of feel like I'm there. And then there's a scene where you like exit 
the the space station from a hole ripped in the hull and mm-hmm. suddenly you see the enormity of the earth basically below you and the whole space station and all of the wreckage and you're free floating in the vastness of space and i i noped out of that like so quickly like i had to take the headset off because the scene was so overwhelming it almost triggered like a mini like agoraphobic panic attack in a, in a way yeah. and I was able to go back into it after I literally went, I got a glass of water. I psyched myself up for the experience and went back in and had a really super cool time in the vastness of space playing this survival game. But the first time the full weight of what was going on in the game hit me, it was almost too much to take in. And I I had to take a break. You're like a caveman seeing his, yeah. first, movie, his first movie. Um, <laughs> it's it's super cool. And you don't you don't have defenses for it yet. I'm sure we'll build up getting used to scenes like that. But for now, it's like it, it's a whole different emotional response to gaming. Do you see the I mean, can you see a future where I, I think there's a fair concern about becoming a nerd to like the effects of of that and and that creating a scenario where it's like well why am i doing it you know what i mean can you Mm -hmm. see a future where like this becomes an effect that's just not worth the hassle i don't i don't think right now outside of the cost the hassle is that great for the oculus rift um and i think they were smart to make it like we were saying before easy to to you know, set up and tear down. Here's what I worry about happening. I am now annoyed by games that take place on a flat screen. Mm. Like, Mm. I don't think it's going to get to the point where we get used to VR and we're like, why do we even care about VR? I think once you play a lot of VR games, playing Halo on a screen seems dumb. Mm. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I'm looking, I'm looking at this little screen and it's cool. And when I look around, I can't see the edges. And if I look behind me, it's just my stupid basement that I need to clean (laughs) (laughs) and not, and not like, and and not my spaceship, you know? So when you play, Oh, sorry, go ahead. When you, when you play games like Valkyrie and, and you do look behind you and you see like the seat of your fighter ship, right. And you see like, missile zooming past you and it's the whole thing wraps around you and you can pretend to be a spaceship pilot which is what everyone wanted to be when they were a kid if you were someone like me maybe maybe not everyone wanted that but like and then you go and you play a game on your laptop and it's like this is fun and it almost feels like a toy like it's like not being in vr almost feels yeah it, it it's strange how it moves the needle for like the level of intensity you need out of your games in a, in a way this leads us into a, an interesting, if lengthy, question from Evan. So hang with me. Um, a lot of people can't put up with VR or 3D movies because of vision problems or headaches or whatever have you. I'm blind in one eye. I was slightly worried when 3D movies position themselves the way of the future because I can't see 3D. That ended up being more of a rel- relative novelty. And at worst, I just wear the dumb glasses so that everything isn't blurry. As a big video game fan, should I be concerned about VR? I haven't attempted any of them, but I have to assume the thing that makes them work is the same thing that makes me incapable of seeing a 3D movie. I'm just glad that I'm glad the tech exists, but I strongly do not want this to be the way games work from now on because it means I won't be able to play them anymore. Or would I? What happens if you close one eye? Am I going to be forced to put a dumb headset on so I can, in essence, just see a tiny little TV? Or is VR going to turn the video game version of 3D movies 
there if you can afford it and desire some extra spectacle, but otherwise isn't the dominant medium. And I know that this requires a little prognostication on your part, Ben, but you know what? If if you're not equipped to do it, I don't know who is. <laughs> so, okay, there are a lot of people with a lot of different issues in terms of how they see the world. Um, I use corrective lenses because I can't see things uh, far away from me. Um, I always forget if that's nearsighted or farsighted, and I'm an individual in their 30s, and I still don't know the difference. I'm very smart. Um, so I wear my glasses when I'm in virtual reality. Uh, and I know that there are people worried about things like astigmatism and there are other people with other, um, issues with, uh, visual disabilities that may or may not have issues with virtual reality. I can't speak to all of them with, with this individual. I like this question because I have such a good answer to it because I've spoken with people who only have one eye or vision out of one eye who have played in virtual reality. And my answer to them is that the Oculus Rift actually has two completely distinct screens. And what happens, it's it's not the weird blurry thing that happens when you're watching um, a movie in 3D, where you need the glasses and you need both eyes for the effect to take place. It is showing you of a way of doing 3D in a way that your brain actually processes 3D. Each screen addresses one of your eyes, showing you a full scene with the viewpoint changed subtly to give you the 3D effect, Mm -hmm. just like your eyeballs do. Your eyes are offset and pointed forward because we're designed to be predators who can see in 3D, right? Okay. So if you don't have, if you are someone who does not have vision out of one of their eyes or is blind in one of their eyes completely, you will see virtual reality in exactly the same way you see normal reality. You will be able to look around. You will be able to get a good sense of presence and feel like you're inside the game, just like someone with two eyes would. The only difference is you will not see the world stereoscopically, but that won't bother you because you don't see the world stereoscopically. So the issues you likely have judging distance that you have coping mechanisms of dealing with in your day-to-day life, you will use those same coping mechanisms or develop new ones in VR. So you can put the headset on, you can look around, the head tracking will work well, you'll feel like you're inside the game, you will not see the 3D effect, and you might have some issues with uh, your depth perception. But again, you're used to that. That's something you struggle with and likely work around. But I do think you will have a good experience in virtual reality, even if you only have one eye. Uh uh, another question here, Ben, from Twitter, and I think I know the answer to this one, but I, I want to see uh, if I'm right. Uh, this is from Kieran, who says, I don't have a high-end computer. Would I still get some use out of a Rift? No. All right, moving on. No. Uh, can, can you, if you don't yes. meet the minimum specs, can yeah. you? It just is like a, a bad experience? It's And it's interesting because... I have in my personal weird Frankenstein rig where I like replace parts of it and leave other parts for years. So I have a 980 Ti, which is a very high end and very expensive graphics processing unit. And I have a four year old CPU that's overclocked to hell and back. Mm -hmm. So the combination of those two things combined with I, I think I have eight gigs of RAM these days gives me it allows me to basically play whatever i want and in vr it gives me a really good experience i'm well above the minimum system requirements but because my cpu is old 
the Oculus software sees it and goes, that is not fast enough. It does not see the fact that it's overclocked. It does not see the fact that my GPU gives me a lot of overhead. So I have to deal with this dumb warning at the top of my screen whenever I'm in a menu that says, your computer's slow, dummy. You should not. You should have a better PC. Your experience is going to be suboptimal. Mm-hmm. It, it uses slightly better wording than, than I have. <laughs> But it it basically warns me that I'm not up to spec and my experience might be bad. My experience is great. It doesn't do a good job of knowing exactly the performance of your system. And there's no way to turn that warning off. Hmm. So, but there's nothing keeping you from hooking this up to an incredibly underpowered system and trying it. And there might be one or two games that aren't graphically intensive or that you can dial all the effects down and kind of get a good experience. But overall, if you do not hit the minimum specs uh, that Oculus asks you to, which which you can find on Oculus.com or the fine website polygon.com, uh, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't get one because you're you're gonna have it's not an issue of like if you play a video game on your screen at like 25 frames a second instead of 30. You're like, oh, this is kind of not great, but I, I can still play the game and have fun. The Oculus Rift is designed to output 90 frames a second stereoscopically, which requires a lot of power. And if it dips below that, it's not like, oh, this is a suboptimal experience. It's like you're going to vomit. You will right. get physically sick. And people are like, oh, like it's like a, a little nauseous. And, and it can be if you catch it early. But if if you like tip over into full-on sim sickness, you will be knocked out for upwards of three to four hours laying on a bed, kind of hoping you will die. Yikes. It's it's super, super bad. So spend I've, that money upgrading your computer, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Zoe Kinski's right now. She asks just how disorienting is the lack of one-to-one movement with your legs when playing software in which you walk. Which it's, I guess doesn't really apply. Does that apply to any Oculus games? Is that more of a Vive thing? Yeah. No, it's the, there are games like The Vanishing of Ethan Carter, which you you walk around in, but you, you're obviously not walking in, uh, in virtual reality. You're walking using uh, your Xbox controller. Right. And it's tough. It's like uh, some people, you kind of get sea legs and some people deal with it better than others. But yeah, it is disorienting. There, there are some games that use like, it's called like comfort mode where it almost moves you. If, if you look at the a clock face, it almost moves you in like uh, five minute increment or five degree increments around the face when you turn. And it, it kind of warps you a little bit and, and that helps. Um, but overall walking, if you're playing like a, a, a first person shooter game where you have to walk with a controller in a way that most per- first person shooter games make you or have you walk, it's not great in VR, which is why mm-hmm. so many Oculus Rift games are seated experiences or get around that by having you just kind of stand and then teleport from place to place. But yeah, if you're walking in a game using a thumbstick on a controller and you're not walking in virtual reality in real life, it it feels strange and it really takes you out of it and it can make you a little sick. Uh, All right. A few more quick questions. Let's just bang these out. Absolutely. Uh, 
Aru says, should we be concerned about ecosystem lock-in as we have to with iOS slash Android or can Vive and Riff coexist? They can coexist. Um, and in fact, I think th- there was kind of an interesting flap online earlier today where Oculus announced, hey, you can you can sell your your Oculus Rift games on Steam and you can even if you sell your games on Steam and someone buys them, you can give them an Oculus home code so that they can put it in the Oculus store and then they can access their game through this cool virtual environment. Just like uh, Humble does. If you buy something from the Humble store, a lot of times you get a Steam key. Uh, And there's a toggle on the Oculus Rift where if you toggle it to on, you can use any Rift-enabled game on it. It is an open platform. A lot of people think that that toggle is almost too much and closes it off too much because it defaults to not allowing that. I think giving someone the option is great. Um, I, I think if you're running untested apps that might not give you the frame rate you need to not get sick, a little heads up and warning isn't a terrible idea. So the Rift is relatively open. Um, and Vive, I believe, is even more open or will be more open because Valve tends to keep things pretty open. They're fairly giving mm-hmm. with that sort of thing. Um, there are middleware programs and the gaming engines, the, the two big ones being Unreal Engine 4 and Unity, which are designed to be used in virtual reality that make porting between these gaming uh, virtual reality platforms easier. So I think we're seeing as these tools mature, it's very, it's becoming much simpler to create a game with an eye to releasing it on all of the platforms. The The difference is definitely a control mechanism where the Vive launches with the motion controls. The Rift does not. There will be exclusives, just like you see with Xbox One and PlayStation 4. And those happen because the platform holder pays a portion of the development costs in the game. And the value add for them is usually a timed exclusive for the game. So if you, so if Valve or Oculus um, pays whatever uh, shooter X developer, like, hey, we'll give you. to finish the game, would it be cool if you were just for our platform for six months and the developers like, sure, that seems like a good deal. We're going to see deals like that. And and I think in a lot of ways, what we've seen so far is Oculus is doing a lot more of that than Valve is because Valve doesn't really need to. They have Steam. Um, And they, they, they aren't requiring, or I don't think Valve necessarily is looking for exclusives because their control solution makes games exclusive to vive right now you can't get a controller like that on rift so that they don't they don't need to lock it down in any other way so i do think it's going to be something that's going to be there will be limited exclusives it whether it's because of um a platform help with development cost or because a developer might like one control mechanism over the other but i think it's going to be like consoles where the majority of the games you want to play you can play on either xbox one or playstation 4 and then every year there's probably two or three really big titles that are locked down to one platform and it's going to be annoying as hell and i'm sorry there's just no way around it it's the reality of modern gaming business so, Ben, when I said I have a few more questions I want to knock out real quick because we're running along, what part of that – just kidding. 
<laughs> Should have known better than ask you about VR and ask you to be quick. Uh, to that end, are you excited these are out now and people actually like give a crap? You know what I mean? Because like you've kind of been shouting into the darkness about VR for years. I mean, as long mm -hmm. as I've known you, you've been just like endlessly <laughs> talking about VR. Are you stoked that other people actually like, yeah, I'll listen to you talk about VR? It, it's it's kind of funny to be in this position because it's like talking about the end of the world and not knowing how to react when like the sky is on fire. <laughs> and you're the only one who can see it yeah like, it's like oh huh look the apocalypse is actually happening and this isn't all just uh hypothetical anymore like yeah. the thing i thought was gonna happen actually is i'll tell you what's and it's fun to see even like the readership on stories goes up as 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 it became closer to being real and people became more interested in reading about it once they started realizing like huh i'm gonna be able to buy one of these soon and now people love talking about it and reading about it. But like starting today, other people who are, have been reading my stories for years or who follow me on Twitter or who have met me personally, if they're like an early Kickstarter backer, they get to actually like see and touch the things that so many of us in the industry have been so excited about for so long. And all joking aside, that is so gratifying and it makes me so happy to watch everyone else enjoy this thing that I've known has been great for years. It's, you know, it's like the Grinch. My heart grew three sizes today. I, I It feels really, really good. It really does. Uh, last question. And because I, I talked with Grant about this yesterday and Chris Grant, our boss. And uh, <clears throat> I want to see what you thought, because I, I think there's an interesting discussion to be had. There's a score at the end of this uh, uh, review. It's 8.5. Um, mm -hmm. I know very well what scores mean in the context of our games, because we have a whole rubric about it. And I know generally what it means when new hardware launches. But sure to you, like what 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 does that mean to you with like giving the rift an 8.5? And, and we agree on these scores sort of collectively. It's not ju but just Ben's mm -hmm. call. It's sort of a site-wide editorial thing just for you at home to know. So like, what does that mean for you, to you? 8.5, what, what does that translate to? And like, I don't know if we're comfortable talking about like, like doing the director's commentary. I pushed for a nine and I think there were other people pushing for an eight and the spread was such that we felt really comfortable with an 8.5 collectively. Um, but if it was just up to me, if I was the god of Polygon.com, I, I would have said nine. What that says to me is that if I was waiting to make a purchasing decision on the Oculus Rift, knowing that I want a primarily standing or sitting VR experience at around that price, are there enough games and is the experience polished enough to justify it? Is this a fully baked product? Or is it something that still needs a little bit more time in the oven to cook? So what that says to me is that this is a product that feels good to use where the software is not glitchy or doesn't have huge obvious holes that need to be filled in with things that don't work or it's not tricky to put together. It's not like, oh, this hardware is obviously going to get better in the next iteration. And it might get better in the next iteration, but the hardware is pretty pretty dang good already. So if someone were to tell me, I, I've been really interested in the Rift, should I jump in now? That score is a good way for me to tell them yes. 
if they're wondering, should I wait for the review of the Vive because I don't know where to go? Absolutely wait for that information. But if you decide to jump in with the Rift, I really think you're going to have a good time with the hardware if you're into VR at all. All right. Well, I think that's a pretty clear message, Ben, and it's the one we will end on. I'll remind everybody to go to lootcrate.com slash control and enter code control to save $3 on a new subscription. And uh, a reminder that you can go read this review on Polygon right now. Uh, and uh, I would highly recommend it. It's a super detailed, way, 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 way more detailed than we were able to get into here because it is just written out words and not talking. It's it's very technical. I'll explain it to you sometime. Uh, but uh, that is going to do it for us. For Ben Kachera, my name is Justin McElroy, and thank you for listening to Polygon's Quality Control. Quality Control.